Nintendo. Back with you, another edition of the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Trent and Biz, we talked the world of Hawkeye athletics with you. Iowa off a big win against North Carolina in hoops, moving to 4-0 on the season. The football team makes it number five in a row with the win against Illinois. Cyhawk game coming up on Friday night, followed by Iowa-Wisconsin on Saturday. Fun time to be a Hawkeye fan, Biz. Yeah, great start to what could be a... You know, a historic two-week stretch for Iowa sports. Uh, you know, basketball team uh, looked good last night. The football team, uh, after uh, sleepwalking to the first quarter, looked good as well. And, you know, there's a lot, lot, lot to be excited about as a Hawkeye fan right now. Let's hope it uh, continues. Let's start with basketball. And at the forefront of our minds, coming off the victory against North Carolina, game where they shot it incredibly well in the first half, Carolina gave them their best shot in the second. And the response by the Hawkeyes, the 14-0 run, it was a little bit of everything, and it was just so good to see in a spot where Luka Garza was not his best, and North Carolina had a lot to do with that, with just the sheer number of bigs that they were throwing at him. But a game like that, that Iowa went out there and beat, who I think will be not a great team, but this Carolina team, by the time we get to February, March, That'll be a nice victory there to do that, to take their shot, and to respond in that fashion. It was a good thing to see. Well, that North Carolina team was better than I had anticipated. They weren't just big they were throwing at Luka Garza. Those are good bigs. Yeah. I mean, they had two or three quality big men. You know, And that's the one thing in the Big Ten this year, Trent. The last year, everybody had a quality big. You know, Minnesota did. Maryland did. You know, This year, it's not quite as... Uh, and the Big Ten, the conference itself is really, really good. But as far as great post players, you know, that may be the best all-around post team we'll see all year long. So, I mean, Garza obviously struggled and had to really fight for his points. But, uh, you know, I think that might be the most uh, all the best all-around post defense we'll see all year. So, uh, but, but in general, just a fun Fun, fun game and a fun team right now. Boy, I was really impressed with their their resolve. That's a game that I think you and I would agree that past teams would not have handled that adversity nearly as well. They're they're just not a they're not a type of team that gets phased by by you know, you know North Carolina's pressure didn't phase them. North Carolina's runs didn't phase them. Their, their physicality didn't phase them. They just kept kept chipping away and eventually they wore them down. You know, I, I've we've talked about this quite a few times here these last few weeks, Biz, and I think I was going to be a good team. I think that goes without saying. But to be a great team, it's not about Luka Garza. It's not about Jordan Bohan, and you know he's going to be there, and he'll hit some big shots. And Frederick, he brings it every single night. Connor McCaffrey does his thing. To me, if this is going to be a great team, I think it really comes down to Joe Wieskamp. And Wheezy last night, he was good, 5 of 7 from 3. He helped out on the boards, but maybe most surprisingly, he had 5 assists. He's one of the few guys on this team that can beat people off the bounce, that can get to the rim, and also finish at the rim once he gets there. Wieskamp, to take this team from being good enough to be 3rd, 4th, 5th in the Big Ten, you know, 4 or 5 seed in the NCAA tournament, if this is going to be a team that's 22 and 5 going in the big tournament, uh, Big Ten tournament, and 23 and 4. To be at that level, I think really it comes down to the play of Wieskamp. Yeah, I mean, to me, the guy that gets 
for whatever reason, always gets, seem to get overlooked about C.J. Frederick. To me, I think he's more important to this team than Wieskamp is. I mean, Frederick, he was incredible last night. And Wieskamp is a really, really good player, Trent. But if, if we're going to rely on Wieskamp to be mentally tough all year long, then we're in trouble. Because at some point in time, he's going to have a bad game and he's going to disappear. That's just a fact. I mean, it's just the way that he plays. Is, is he's, you know, that first shot went in last night. You could tell he was going to have a good game. But there's games when he's just not going to be there. But on the flip side, C.J. Frederick is always there. I mean, that kid, late in the first half, he would not let that game, you know, he wouldn't let things fall apart for us. He, he pulled up in transition, drained a three right in the guy's eye, hit the three right at the buzzer, got a steal on defense. I mean, he's just, his mental toughness, is through the roof. And to me, that's what makes him the second most important player on our team. Because, like you said, you always know what you're going to get from Bohannon. He, he, he is what he is. But Frederick's just, he's just a warrior. The guy, uh, he does everything well, and he never gets paid. So, to me, I, I view him as kind of our, our second most important piece just because I think he's the guy that's going to be there game in and game out. I, I'm just, Joe Wieskamp is a really, really good player but I just don't think you can expect he's going to be – he's going to have his ups and downs. It's just the way he is. See, and I guess we just kind of look at it differently because I, I expect Frederick to be that guy every time out. Wieskamp is the one where if he plays at that level, that's what takes him to another level. But I think we're just arguing semantics here. Nine-man rotation last night. It was Nunji Toussaint, Patrick McCaffrey, and Keegan Murray off the bench. McCaffrey, even though he didn't shoot it very well, thought he gave him some good minutes, did a couple of different things. And Keegan Murray, Biz, I know you officiated him in high school, him and his brother Chris. I talked to a coach before the game yesterday, an AAU coach, and he told me, I said, how does this happen? How does a guy go to this level? And he just said, it's that year, that year away where he went to prep school. The Murray twins went to prep school. It is so important for the development that that leap year, if you will, going between 18, 19, 19 to 20, and they used it right. And uh, credit to him. I didn't see it. I laughed at it. I thought it was a disaster bringing these two guys in dead wrong. Keegan Murray, that kid can play. Yeah, I I didn't think it was a disaster to bring him in. I didn't think it was a good sign for our program that we were (laughs) signing two kids that were so lowly rated. But I... I thought he would be a kind of guy that by year three or four that he could be a, a contributor. I mean, he was never going to be a star, but he could be a you know contributor. So the fact that he's doing this right out the gate is shocking to me. I mean, uh, he is he's another kid that's not fearless. He you know he's got an incredibly high basketball IQ. You know, both him and Patrick McCaffrey. We talked about this a little bit last week, but they just they're in the right place at the right time. They get a lot of loose balls. They just, you know, they're kind of in that Nick Bear school of, you know, you, you do all the little things right, and he certainly does. So, I mean, the thing that's really impressive about this team is everybody just seems to kind of embrace their role. I mean, he's and he's a perfect example of that. He, he gets those garbage buckets. He gets on the floor. He, he plays, you know, decent post-defense. He does a, a little of everything. And I think everybody, everybody is, understands their role and plays it really well. I mean, last night was a perfect example. I mean, other than, you know, Nungy didn't play his best game, and, and honestly, neither did Garza, but the other seven guys, they played their role pretty much to perfection last night. Great to see. And now we get the Iowa State game coming up on Friday night. 
on paper, this thing's going to be a blowout. Ken Pomeroy has Iowa favored by 11. If it's 11, I'd certainly be laying the points with the Hawks. Yeah, 11 seems low. I think I think it'll be closer to, to 15 or so. But you know, I I, I think it's a game that we'll we'll, we'll win. But uh, you never know with Iowa State games. That you know, I think we'll get their best effort. They have not played well the first couple games. I think they'll come out and give us their uh, their best shot. But if we come in locked in and play like we can, it should be a relatively easy win. But uh, you never know. Did you, and the last thing, Tyler, did you see the amazing stat? About the uh, uh, Weed Camp, Bohannon, and Frederick, they were the first set of three teammates last night to hit five or more threes against a ranked team in 25 years. Really? <laughs> That's shocking. Yeah. So they, you know, I think was it Weed Camp and uh, Frederick had five each, and Bohannon mm-hmm. had seven each. First, yeah. first team against a ranked team. A rank, I think it was a ranked win to beat okay. to beat a ranked team in, in more than 25 years. So. Wow. It's, uh, when when they're going on all cylinders, we're going to be a tough team to beat. Well, and, and the other part here is Carolina. This is still a really good defensive team. Uh, Ken Pomeroy has them 14th in the country in defensive efficiency, and they just casually went out there and put what 87, 93 on the board. It just yes, the defense is still a question mark, but this is an elite Iowa offensive team, even against good defensive teams. Most everybody, unless. The officials let them, mug them, the clutch and grab of the Wisconsin's and Michigan states of the world. If they're allowed to play, I was going to score against anybody. Well, last night, I thought it was a, you know, obviously we came out on fire, but once things settled down, I mean, we really struggled the last seven, eight minutes offensively in the first half. And, you know, the second half, we came out and, and made some adjustments and, I was really impressed. We we didn't uh, we didn't seem to force things into Luca, but we, we got it to him a lot. Um, uh, just the, the flow of the offense just is really impressive with this team. They, they uh, yeah. and I've said this a million times. I'll say it one more time. There is no better post entry passer in the world than Connor McCaffrey. That guy, that kid, uh, man. He, there was one possession last game where he made three. Just technically found perfect passes in one possession. I mean, he went into the post to Garza. Garza kicked it back out to him, back to the post, kicked it back out to him again. He ball faked, drove to the middle, drew a couple defenders, kicked it out to I think it was Frederick who drained a wide open three. I mean, he's it's hard to say with a guy that didn't take a single shot last night, but I still think he he's kind of the uh, the glue for this team because. He's able to guard six foot ten guys in the post and, and also bring the ball down the court. There's not many not many people in college basketball that can do that. Played tough, played good inside, and just love watching him play and work and and uh, have a little attitude that goes along with it, which is a good thing. All right, Biz, uh, let's jump into some football. Iowa comes back as we talked about at the top, gets Illinois. My question for you: If we got Kirk Ferentz in a truthful moment, and he was asked the question. How close were you to pulling Spencer Petrus? What do you think his answer would be? Honest answer? Honest oh, answer, been, yes. Had to have been close. I saw someone wrote an article that that fourth and three pass to Amir Smith-Marset might have been the uh, the kind of make-or-break moment. Because, yeah. you know, people forget. I mean, we won that game so handily in the end. You forget it was 14 nothing. 
we had a fourth and three with, what, seven minutes to go in the second quarter. He incompletes that pass, and we're probably down by two touchdowns or more at the half, and we're talking a totally different story. And, you know, he gives Spencer Peters a ton of credit because, you know, I think you, me, and 95% of the, the fan base were ready to, to turn the page and try someone different. And, and, you know, fortunately we're not the coaches, Trent, because he played a hell of a last th- two and a half quarters. So uh, let's hope, cross our fingers and hope that was kind of the turning point for him because he did some things in those last two and a half quarters that he had not done all year long. He, he looked more comfortable in the pocket. He threw a couple real nice, you know, deeper balls. The touchdown to to Byer in the corner was a beautiful throw. I mean, he just he looked a little more in command than, than he has in the past. So you know, it's still a small sample size. I'm guessing you know, this Saturday against a really good defense and what looks to be some really crappy weather, it's not going to be pretty. But uh, he certainly showed some signs of life. He did. The tight ends got involved. First touchdown of the season and careers for both Sean Byer and Sam Laporta. That touchdown up the seam was a beauty to Laporta to get it starting right after that fourth down completion you mentioned to Smith-Marset. It was tight. It was a way, but they control the football game and outside of that late score. We also see more of the Wildcat. We kind of wondered where it had gone. They brought it back in the first half. They brought it back late in the game. You think they're setting something up here maybe for this week uh, against Wisconsin where we'll see the first throw out of the Wildcat? No. Uh, I think at some point down the road, maybe next year, we might see it. Okay. But, you know, it, you look at the weather report, it's supposed to be 30 and possible snow and 15, 20 mile an hour winds. To me, that doesn't sound like a good recipe for having your uh, your 190 pound running back uh, airing the ball out. So, And, and also, I just think Wisconsin's the type of team that's, that's going to be disciplined enough that's not going to work on, on a team like that. I mean, so I think sometime down the road we'll let him throw the ball, yes. But I don't know. to me, Wisconsin's a game where I don't think we'll see much of the Wildcat. I just think they're the type of team that it's not going to work against. So but, you know, I'd love to be proven wrong, and I'd love to see him uh, complete one. Have you seen the video of him throwing the ball in high school? Yes, yes. Pretty impressive. <laughs> well, it, he has a good arm. But yes. It's, uh, it's like a baseball pitcher. You have to do a full windup. To it was uh, not not real textbook throws, put that way. Well, and also, you know, we saw Smith Marset a couple of times involved in runs. He's got a. He's been a guy that they've shown maybe to try to get out there and have him throw it a lefty. So there's different things they can do. We'll see. We'll see if that comes to fruition this week. Keep an eye on that one. I'll take a win in the win column if uh, if they do throw a pass out of it coming up this week. Well, we look ahead to Wisconsin after it's five in a row for Iowa. And uh, Biz, today, before we get into that, the Big Ten has just changed the rules on the fly. And now Ohio State will be eligible, though not hitting the six-game threshold for the Big Ten Championship. Where do you sit with this uh, back-and-forth conversation that's continued throughout the week? I am in 100% agreement with the Big Ten on this one, Trent. Uh, rarely do I say that, but uh, this one to me was a no-brainer. The Big Ten needs to quit pretending that they're better or different than other conferences. If this was the SEC and it was Alabama, they'd do it in a second. Mm-hmm. If it was the Big 12 and it was Oklahoma, they'd do it in a second. You know, if it was the, SC, or the Pac-12 and USC, USC's already doing that for USC basically this year. 
I mean, this, this is a no-brainer. I mean, people can rant and rave and whine and moan, but Ohio State's the best team in the conference. Even if they took a forfeit this week, they're still technically win the, the, the Big Ten East anyway. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, people love to complain no matter what the Big Ten does, but to me they got this one right, and I think they're doing the right thing. I'm right there with you. And uh, it's, I don't know, it's been just kind of crazy, and I think it more gets into you know the conference lines and, and people protecting their own, not enough games for Ohio State. Look, if you don't think Ohio State's in there because they haven't played enough games, okay, but who should be? What's the argument? A Texas A&M team that hasn't done anything short of beat Florida, a Florida team that will get their chance against Alabama. I don't think anybody anticipates that they're going to win that football game. People have had opportunities. If you don't think that Ohio State's one of the best four teams, who would you put there? And I just don't think you can come up with a compelling reason really for anybody else. Well, and this season's been such a cluster. I mean, you know, four months ago, the Big Ten wasn't going to play. And, and then they made up the rules on the fly two months ago or three months ago. And, you know, for them, to, you know, it's not like this is a well-established, you know, decade or, or century-long rule. It was something they made up two months ago. So if they want to tweak it again, I mean, everything else has been tweaked. I mean, <laughs> look at every other conference. I mean, the, the SEC is basically – reinvented an entire schedule these last two weeks, and, and everybody's doing it. So it's just for whatever reason when the Big Ten does these things, everybody uh, freaks out about it because the Big Ten likes to think that they are, are better than others, but they're not, Trent. And, and the, the sooner they realize that and realize that they're no different from the SEC or the Big 12 and that money is, is what matters, um, the better. And, and that's what they've, you know, let's be honest, they're doing it for money. I mean, mm-hmm. this is... Ohio State is by far the best chance of the Big 12, Big Ten to to not only get in the playoff, but win the playoff. I, I think them and Alabama are are the two best teams I've seen so far. But uh, I, I guess we'll we'll, we'll see because I think I think you and I can pretty confidently say they're going to pound Northwestern and they're going yes. to get in the playoff at this point. Yes, I'm right there with you. All right, uh, it's Wisconsin week and. One that, uh, boy, it's been frustrating to watch throughout the last eight years. Just one victory that came in Madison in 2015. The 10-6 game where well, a fumble helped out on the goal line as Iowa got away with the victory here. There's been close ones. There's been blowouts. But one thing has remained consistent. Wisconsin has had the upper hand ever since that 2010 game and the fake punt by Bielema heard around the Midwest. What do you see here with Wisconsin coming to town? Well, it's, it's, like you said, it's been a decade, Trent, before we get into our thoughts. Anytime we, we have to talk about Iowa history, who do we got to bring in? Statboy. Statboy, who, who we, we just found out from Statboy, will be in Kinnick Stadium this yes. week. Yes. Uh, Iowa, Iowa football program is starting to realize the, the true importance of Statboy. They're, they're bringing him along for the ride. Well, th- this is incredibly dangerous. For people that don't know, and uh, Statboy likes to jinx things. I was one five in a row, and all of a sudden, that kiss of death's going to show up in Kinnick Stadium. I have an awful feeling about this. Yeah, we, we know who to blame when, we, when, when things go, yes. go south on Saturday. We, we, we've got a scapegoat now. So. But you mentioned it, Trent. It's been, unfortunately, a decade of dominance for the Badgers. So I, I gave Statboy the assignment of uh, let's, let's do a true purge here, Trent, and talk about the two programs over the last decade in the hopes that we uh, – we get it out there and purge it, and, and things turn for the better starting uh, Saturday afternoon. 
This has worked well in the past. Let's hope this comes uh, to fruition again. So we're going to look back, uh, starting in 2010, huh? Yeah, and actually, that boy, what I had him do is look starting back in 2001, just to show that you know the decade before, from 2001 to 2010, what an incredible rivalry it was up until that stupid fake punt. Because the decade before, our record was 82 and 37; they were 83 and 40. Uh, we both won a couple Big Ten titles. Uh, just as balanced of a rivalry as you can get. And then, unfortunately. They faked the punt, and it's been uh, a, a decade of dominance since then. So, you ready for the numbers? What do you got for us? Since that fake punt, they are seven and one against us. They've won five in a row at Kinnick. Um, they've won six divisional titles. We've won one. Their record ninety-eight and thirty-five. Our record eighty-one and fifty. Their Big Ten record is, is an unbelievable, 64-22 and 22 in the last decade. Ours is, is still a very respectable, 51-38. and 38. Um, And as far as weeks ranked, they've been ranked 131 weeks in the last decade. We've been ranked 45. So <laughs> when you look at those numbers, Trent, it's not even close. They have been a, clearly a better football team than us in the last decade. Not, not only head-to-head, but just across the board. They, they, they're the team that it, – it, it hurts me to say this, Trent, but they've been a better team than us, and, and they're the team we're striving to, to get back to. They've been the bullies of the Big Ten, and we want to get it back. So uh, let's, let's start with it this Saturday, because I think you and I agree this is not a, a great Wisconsin team. And I think – Clearly, over the last month, we're playing better football than they are right now. They're uh, due to COVID issues and other issues. They're not playing good football. They, they've had eight penalties each the last couple games. I think they've had a total of eight turnovers the last couple games. They're still kind of in that stage that we were, you know, back in the Purdue Northwestern stretch. And, and we need to we need to take care of business on Saturday, and we need to start writing the ship on a on a rivalry that really hasn't been a rivalry in the last ten years. Right there with you. And, you know, the difference here, we watched the first game that Friday night against Illinois. Graham Mertz is chucking it around, looking outstanding. And you figure, boy, they're going to be able to figure out the running game. And you couple that with an elite-level quarterback, Wisconsin's really going to have something, and maybe that program's going to take the next step. The problem, at least from the Badger perspective, that running game has not improved from what we saw in the beginning. They can't run the ball even close to what they've been in the past. Frankly, not even very good running the football compared to past teams that we've seen and just in general in college football this year. You couple that with the wide receivers. They they don't have a great slew of them this year. Losing Cephas was a big blow. Of course, Jonathan Taylor out of the running back room. The offensive line has not played the level I think a lot of people thought this year. Still, my concern coming into this game is not offensively, and you mentioned the weather coming up this weekend. It's what can Iowa do offensively. They hit the big play last year with Tyrone Tracy, the 75-yarder to get back within two before the two-point conversion that went a mess. But, Biz, that is still my concern. Is Iowa going to be able to solve out this 3-4 defense from the Badgers? Probably not, but uh, I'm not sure you need to solve it. Uh, this is a game where you know, I think the first team is 17 wins, so you don't need to necessarily – Light up the scoreboard. You just need to uh, you need to do what Indiana did and what Northwestern did. I mean, force Wisconsin to go the length of the field, 
and put up points, and I don't think they can do it. I really don't. I just think we can uh, we can win an ugly football game against this team, and we they just lost back to back games to, to good disciplined teams like Indiana and Northwestern that made them prove that they could do it, and they haven't done it. So I think that's the, the recipe for success right now is don't shoot yourself in the foot, don't make mistakes. you got to punt the ball, punt it, and, and make them uh, prove they can do it because, because they haven't proved it at all this year. So I don't know. It, 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 I think you and I know well enough that this game's going to come down to the last 10 minutes of the game, and it, it almost always does between these two teams, and we need to pull one of these out. It's it's time to uh, turn the corner and, and get this uh, get this rivalry righted a little bit. Do we at least have the edge in the punting game this year? I think we have the edge in almost everything, Trent. I honestly do. <laughs> I, I watched a decent amount of that Indiana game. They're not all that good of a team. I mean, having said that, that we're again, it's another game where we're going to get everything they have, and, and they certainly – have a recipe for stopping, like I said, like you said, the 3-4 has just given us fits, and, and we have not been able to figure it out. And so uh, I just – their skill positions are very weak this year. I don't think they're – I don't think Mertz is nearly as good as everybody thought he was going to be. Um, I, I think we're the better team, but until we uh, prove it on the field, I, I'm not going to have a lot of confidence in, in us beating the Badgers. Ready to do some picks? Sure. Well, we start with this game, and uh, I'm going to take a look at the updated odds because this thing was moving around uh, here as we record on a Wednesday. Earlier this morning, I saw one of the Vegas casinos had moved Wisconsin to the favorite in the football game. So let's see what we got across the board in Vegas as I scroll through. Also see uh, Indiana-Purdue has been taken off the board as that game will be a no contest. So looking right now, a couple of spots have Wisconsin favored by one. Uh, the rest of them have Iowa's a pick 'em. We'll just keep it simple, and uh, we'll go Iowa Wisconsin pick 'em this week. Well, it's obvious what I'm going to do. It's six weeks, in, six weeks in a row picking against the Hawks. I, I'm unlike Stat Boy. I'm not going to jinx us. So uh, give me the Badgers, whatever it is. Right there with you uh, until I see it. Until I see this Iowa team completely solve the three four, I will jump on the Badgers too. And if we take an L, we are happy. With that, all right, Biz, we go to the Big Ten. We take our favorite game of the week. That early line I jumped on as I was getting 13.5 with Purdue against Indiana. That game has been white clean, so i got to go back to the board. But what do you have, your favorite Big Ten bet of the week? Give me the fighting lovies, Trent. I, I, Illinois is not a bad football team, as we saw last week. And I, Again, the weather's going to be bad uh, on Saturday. They're playing Rivalry game against Northwestern. Northwestern is a good team, but certainly not a great team. I just think 14 too many points in that game. So uh, give me the fighting lovies, and uh, they'll, they'll keep it close against, against Fitz and the Wildcats. So plus 14, Illinois. I like that one. Uh, that's one that I will be playing this weekend. It's already been on my list, and uh, I'm going to guess I'm going to jump with you. But, you know, we always lose when we both agree. So I'm going to go a different direction here. Speaking of teams making improvements, Nebraska is getting better. And Minnesota, they have had COVID issues all over the place here. I'm going to lay the 10 with Nebraska, maybe live to regret it. But give me the Cornhuskers minus the 10 at home against Minnesota for my Big Ten pick. Well, if Nebraska wins that one and then zero is too 
two wins in a row, Trent. They may throw a parade for uh, for Frost. That, that would be quite quite the run to end the year. Nebraska's back. Frosty the coach man. Well, Biz, this is where you've been making people money. Across the country, your favorite bet of the week. What do you have? What do you got for a winner this week? I'm sticking to the same formula that I've been doing almost every week. Find the teams that are ready to quit. I think this week that is the uh, Oklahoma State Cowboys. I think after losing the TCU last week, this is a team that came into the season with really high hopes. They thought they were going to win the Big 12. They obviously are not going to. They have nothing to play for. Uh, on the flip side, Baylor is a team that continued to play hard all year long. I really, really like their head coach. I, I think they will continue to fight. They gave Oklahoma a, a good battle last week, and, and I think they will not only cover, I think they beat Okie State this week. But if you're going to give me five and a half, I'll take it. So Baylor plus five and a half is the pick. All right. I'm going back to the well, a place where – Two-point conversions. It was a good game. Arkansas-Missouri last week. That was entertaining football. Enjoyed it as I uh, had a couple of shekels on that one. I'm jumping back on the Mizzou train. Speaking of teams, what's left to play for? Georgia has two losses. They're not going to play in the SEC championship. They're not going to the college football playoff. This is a program that is expected to be at the top of college football, and they're not there. Now they have to go up to sleepy Columbia and play a game against Mizzou. Mizzou's been playing well. Their offense has played really good since the beginning of the season. I'm going to grab the 13.5. Give me the Tigers for the second straight week, and hopefully they can get on the winning side for us this time. Becoming a, a true Missouri Tigers fan at this point, too. Show me. Yeah, show me for Iowa. Might, might move to Missouri. Eh, that sounds awful. Don't want to do that. There it is, Biz. Our picks for the week. As uh, Well, you're over 500 on the year, and it has been – just absolutely brutal for me this season. we got to find another way. We'll go back to the drawing board for 2021, and hopefully I can come up with something where at least I can push things a little bit better. Maybe I should just use my Hawkeye Super Picks because those have been great this year. you got to do something different, Trent. Whatever you're doing for now, stick with it. It's... Hawkeye Sports across the board is doing well. So uh, if you had to pick between uh... – uh-huh. Your random gambling picks or the Hawkeyes. It's the Hawkeyes every time. So. No doubt about it. All right, Biz, let's get out of here with Biz's Beat. Hey, kids, gather around for Biz's Beat of the Day. Okay, here's Biz's Beat of the Day. <laughs> Tonight starts the, the battle for the legendary Skyhawk uh, trophy that the Iowa, State, Iowa women are on tap tonight. And, uh, you know, if, you, if you haven't seen her play, and obviously no one has because uh, the games aren't televised, uh, at some point find time to watch Caitlin Clark. I know you've seen her before, um, but I don't know how many other people out there have gotten the chance to see her yet. But she is going to be a, a true all-time great for the Hawks. She just plays basketball different than <laughs> 99.9% of the players that I was had over the years. So, uh Hopefully they get the thing started off right and, and win the first first of many Cyhawk battles to come. And hopefully they win and then the men uh, do their part on Friday. So go Hawks. Make it happen. Biz, Iowa, Wisconsin on tap this weekend. And then we await who Iowa will be playing in the Champions Week matchup. Looks more than likely like it'll be Indiana on tap. Hopefully we'll be talking about that one next week. So what, what happens if you know, Indiana's game just got canceled today, if they're still out of luck? Who, who, Maryland, maybe? Yeah, I, I think Maryland could be a possibility. Is it Michigan? 
I guess that could be a possibility. Just kind of looking through the Big Ten standings, which are just wild to look at in the East. Maryland is uh, the second team right now in 2-2. Two and two. Michigan State, they've already played. They're going to try to stay away from those matchups. So, And, of course, they played Penn State. So, really, your only options are Indiana, Maryland, Michigan, and Rutgers. I guess it could be any of those teams. If it's a win for Iowa this week and Indiana's able to play, it'll be the Hoosiers. After that, who knows? Well, I saw 10 out of the 14 Big Ten schools have two wins. So uh, it's one of the crazier stats you'll ever see is uh, there's four teams that have five or more wins and everybody else is clustered up at, at, at two wins only. Some are two and two, some are two and four. But uh, a lot and lots of mediocrity in the Big Ten. No doubt about it. Ohio State gets their opportunity and a Big Ten championship game against Northwestern next week. Biz, we'll do it again then. Thanks for your time. All right, go on.